Hey there, Health Bite podcasters. Welcome back to Health Bite, the podcast dedicated to providing you with small, actionable bites towards greater physical, mental, and emotional well being. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian, and I'm so glad to be here with you on this first week of May. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it feels incredibly important to talk about mental and emotional well-being right now. As we will discuss on today's episode, our mental health and well-being has never been so affected as it is right now and in this moment. And while medication, psychotherapy, and other medical interventions are necessary, and quite honestly, life-saving in some cases, there are practices that we can engage in that can be just as essential to our emotional and mental health. Today, we'll be focusing on food and mood. This episode is going to be incredibly informative and actionable. So grab a pen and your notepad and let's dig in. Mental health has actually been on the rise for over the past two decades. But really, it has increased over the past two years, particularly depression and anxiety. Now, depression is characterized by feelings of low and sad mood. Also, people describe a feeling of apathy or lack of motivation, lack of enjoyment, and a decrease in energy levels. Depression can also have acute symptoms, more dangerous symptoms, such as feelings of hopelessness, despair, and thoughts of suicide. These symptoms can be mild or they can be significant, impacting quality of life, including sleep, focus, concentration, appetite, the desire for social interaction, and the ability to carry out daily activities. So here are some statistics. During this pandemic, the number of people who reported symptoms of anxiety or depression tripled in the United States. Globally, anxiety and depression increased by 25% and peaked to 43% of adults during the pandemic. Young kids and young adults have been disproportionately affected, particularly at risk of suicidal thoughts and self-harming behaviors. Women have also been more severely impacted, as have people with pre-existing health conditions, such as cancer, heart disease, asthma. These people were more likely to develop symptoms of mental illness and mental health disorders as well. And finally, substance abuse, which is closely linked to mental health and emotional well-being, has also increased over the course of the pandemic. In fact, substance abuse, or rather substance use, increased 15% in the United States during the year of 2020. In one study published during the first six months of the pandemic, It was shown that alcohol consumption increased by 14% as compared to the year prior and by 17% in women. But what's worse and more alarming is that the incidence of heavy drinking during this time escalated by 41% in women. 
This is actually a really important topic and one that's gotten a lot of traction when I've discussed it on social media, particularly in my Instagram videos. And so I think I'm going to record a podcast on alcohol use in the near future. So stay tuned for that. Some alarming trends, and there are many reasons for these trends in mental health. As we know, uncertainty, loss, isolation, loneliness, all of these were happening during the pandemic, but our food practices did not help. And in fact, studies showed around the globe that overall consumption and of fruits and vegetables declined, as did consumption of other healthy foods like fish, yogurts, lean meats. These were all reduced. While sweets, pastries, ice cream, fast foods, fried foods all increased. And this matters, as we're about to discuss, because the risk of depression increases with poor nutrition. But first things first, because if you're suffering, first of all, know that you're not alone. Secondly, please get help. Medical therapy, talk therapy, counseling, seek out the treatments and support that you need in order to be well. But there may be many folks out there who are already getting treatment for depression and still aren't feeling at their best. Or maybe they're not at the point that they feel or that their providers feel that they need medications, for example, and yet they're just not well. If that describes you, then this episode is for you. The connection between food and mood honestly is fascinating. And I'm really excited to share this information with you. So first let's talk about the gut brain connection. In fact, Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine once said, bad digestion is the root of all evil. Now, maybe that's a little bit melodramatic, but I'm gonna talk to you about why the gut brain connection is so solidified and so important. So let's go back way back when to when we were first conceived. When we were first conceived, we developed into a blob of cells. Yep, I know that doesn't sound really sexy, but that's the truth. Started out as a blob of cells. And then those cells specialized. One group of specialized cells are called the neural crest cells. Now, these are the group of cells that went on to make up the central nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord. But these cells also went on to create the enteric nervous system or the nervous system contained within the gut. Did you know that the gut contains between 100 and 500 million neurons. Remember that neurons are the fancy word for brain cells. So these are actually neurons, but they're not in the brain. They are in the gut, which is why the gut has the name of, quote, the second brain. The brain and the gut are very closely connected in other ways. For example, there is a nerve called the vagus nerve. This nerve begins in the brainstem and travels down into the gut, where it then branches out 
and kind of engulfs and envelops and penetrates the walls of our gut. The vagus nerve can be considered as a freeway that connects the brain to the gut and allows them to communicate and be intricately connected. So it's no wonder that the food that we consume impacts gut health and impacts our brain. As you probably know, for example, central nervous system produces neurotransmitters and chemicals like dopamine, serotonin, acetylcholine. These are all neurotransmitters that regulate mood. Well, get this, 90% of serotonin receptors are actually found in our gut. Think about that. 90% of serotonin receptors, that's our happy hormone, is found in our gut. So it really highlights the connection between our gut and our brain, and more importantly, our gut and our emotional and mental well-being. So let's get into some important physiology. First, I wanted to talk about the microbiome. Now, the microbiome refers to the microbes or specifically the bacteria that live in our gut. There are approximately 100 trillion microbes in the gut. And these microbes are symbiotic, meaning they scratch our back and help us. And we in turn scratch their backs and help them. These bacteria help us with many necessary processes like food digestion, our immunity, and more and more evidence shows that the gut microbiome is also important in impacting our brain health and specifically in our mental and emotional well-being. How's that? Well, our diet can change the gut microbiome. So what we consume can actually help flourish the good bacteria, or it can help kill off the good bacteria, which makes more room for the bad players. These bad bacteria can then result in inflammation, which then, because there is that direct connection between the brain and the gut through the vagus nerve, can then cause inflammation in the brain. And this inflammation or neuroinflammation does impact our brain's functioning and impacts our mood. What's more is that these bacteria can also send off other chemicals and messengers that are also transmitted to the brain, affecting our brain health and impacting our mood. What is one of the key mechanisms of maintaining and stabilizing a healthy gut microbiome? You guessed it. It's our diet. So let's talk about some of those players when it comes to diet and our gut microbiome. Number one, sugar. Sugar is the wrong nutrient for the bacteria in our gut. Think about it, the bacteria in general actually thrive on sugar. That's one reason why diabetics, for example, are at higher risk for infections in the body. When it comes to the brain, we know that higher blood sugar levels are associated with a lower brain-derived 
neutrotrophic factor. So this factor, shortened as BDNF, is a protein that helps our brains grow and develop. It's also a protein that helps the brain adapt to stress. But again, we know that blood sugar or high blood sugar results in a reduction in this helpful protein that is supporting our brain health. In fact, it has been shown that one can of sugar-sweetened beverages, think soda or juice daily, has been shown to increase the risk of depression by 5%. Two and a half cans of soda, which is equivalent to nearly 100 grams of sugar, increases the risk of depression by 25%. And don't forget highly processed carbs. These are essentially sugar. Foods like white bread, pasta, simple carbohydrates, turn into quick sugar in the body. And so essentially it's sugar. Studies showed that people who consumed higher quality carbs had a 30% reduced incidence of depression than those that consumed the quick sugars, the high glycemic carbs. So compare the quote good carbs as I like to call them, beans, grains, legumes, these are the carbohydrates that are complex. They are harder to break down because of the complexity. That means that they result in a much more steady rise in blood sugar as compared to those quick sugars, those simple sugars that are quickly metabolized and result in really super high spikes in blood sugar. You may think that a alternative to sugar is artificial sweeteners, right? But guess what? They too are associated with a higher risk of depression, specifically aspartame. Aspartame in particular has been shown to have many ill effects. And actually I spoke on a video on, on Instagram at Dr. Adrian Udeem recently about a study they released that showed the correlation between the consumption of artificial sweeteners and specifically aspartame and a higher risk of cancer. And here too, we know that aspartame is associated with a higher risk of depression. Other artificial sweeteners have been studied and show trends, but none as equivocably as aspartame. What does aspartame do? It actually increases concentrations of substances that inhibit the release of our quote, happy hormones, such as dopamine and serotonin. So you can think of aspartame as like a blocker to the release of these positive neurotransmitters, dopamine and serotonin. Aspartame also causes oxidation and free radicals in the brain, which compromise cellular brain health. Of note, Aspartame has been associated also with a higher risk for of memory issues, dementia, while these studies are somewhat inconclusive so that the facts are not hard and fast, it kind of makes sense that as a negative effector of neurotransmitters, that it can have far-ranging impact 
on our brain health at large. Next, let's go to fats. So first of all, not all fats are the same. We have saturated fat, unsaturated fat, trans fat, polyunsaturated fatty acids, monounsaturated fatty acids, and these fats are not all the same. First off, trans fats. Trans fats are really bad. They include things like margarine, shortening, hydrogenated oils, and they're primarily found in packaged foods, pastries, fried foods. These fats were banned in the United States in packaged goods, but there was a level at which it was tolerable. And so they're still found in some amounts in foods that are on our shelves and out there in the market. So trans fat is something really to look at and really to avoid like the plague. Now we said trans fats are found in fried foods and fried foods in general have other ill effects to brain health. They make us feel heavy and dull, which in the long run can affect mood. But actually a study in Japan showed that people who consume more fried foods were more likely to develop depression during their lifetime. Studies have also linked trans fats to a higher risk of depression. Whereas on the other hand, healthier fats or healthy fats like monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats have lowered the risk of depression. Once again, these fats have also been shown to be protective in brain health and may help reduce the risk of dementia and Alzheimer's disease. So notice that these things go hand in hand. The nutrients that are uh, protective of our brain and may reduce the risk of diseases that result in deterioration of the brain, like dementia, for example, are actually also important in preserving emotional and mental well-being. Whereas those harmful nutrients that are harmful not only for the brain, but are, are harmful for the body at large, for example, trans fats, they are not only harmful to the brain and to mood, known to be cardiac risk factors resulting in cardiac and metabolic disease. So these things go hand in hand. The things that are not good for your body at large are not good for your brain health and are not good for your mood. Back to these good fats, the poly and monounsaturated fatty acids. These include avocado, olive oil, um, almonds, nuts, walnuts, for example, um, flaxseed, nut butters, seeds, and also vegetable oils. Now, it must be said that when it comes to certain kinds of fats, the polyunsaturated fats, they can further be divided into omega-3 and omega-6. And omega-3 is definitely the more favored. Omega-3s can be found in fish, particularly in fatty fish, including salmon, mackerel, tuna, herring, sardines. It can also be found in walnuts and flax seeds. Omega-6 can also be found in nuts, but are also found in vegetable oils. And while they can be helpful, too much of them are not. So get a good balance of good fats with an emphasis on monounsaturated fats and the omega-3s. These fats have been shown to be protective of the brain 
They are also associated with a reduced risk of dementia and depression. And lastly, nitrates. Nitrates are found in cured meats, deli meats, sausages, cold cuts, for example. They have other adverse health effects, such as being associated with a higher risk of colon cancer, but they are also associated with depression as they've been shown to alter that healthy gut bacteria in a negative way. So let's recap. And here's where I would grab a pen and paper and jot this down. Pause where you need to, rewind where you need to, but this is the information that I want you to take home. So what to eat? Number one, probiotic and prebiotics. Foods high in probiotics, again, include tempeh, miso, kimchi, sauerkraut, kombucha, buttermilk, certain cheeses, natto, which is fermented soybean. These are foods that are naturally high in probiotics, but also prebiotics. Prebiotics are indigestible fibers that are found in beans, certain legumes, oats, berries, garlic, onions, banana, for example. These undigestible fibers work with probiotics in order to preserve healthy gut bacteria. Omega-3 fatty acids. Again, these are found in cold water fatty fish, including salmon, mackerel, tuna, herring, sardines, other fish like tilapia, sea bass, shellfish, and cod are close seconds. And there are other sources like walnuts, chia seeds, and in fact, grass-fed beef. Other nutrients that have been found to reduce the risk of depression, B vitamins, which are found in leafy green vegetables, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, kale. B vitamins are also found in nuts, seeds, and legumes with the exception of B12. So whereas most of the B vitamins, including folate, which is in particular helpful in brain health, are found in these other plant-based items that I've discussed, B12 specifically is only found in animal products. So fish, eggs, dairy, and yes, meat, poultry, chicken, etc. If you're vegetarian, vegan, or are limiting your amount of animal protein, then please supplement. Vitamin D. Vitamin D is another supplement that has been implicated in brain health. Vitamin D actually is involved in serotonin metabolism, and its deficiency has been associated with depression. We get vitamin D from salmon. Many of our dairy is fortified with vitamin D because one of the functions of vitamin D is helping us absorb calcium. So many of our yogurts and milks, for example, are fortified with vitamin D. And one of the best sources of vitamin D is sunlight. We manufacture vitamin D in our uh, skin cells when exposed to sunlight. But these days with all the sunblock, and sedentary behavior and working from home, I wouldn't rely on sun exposure. Next, seasoning, spice, and herbs. So this is something that was really intriguing to me as a person of Middle Eastern descent who loves to cook Persian food. Saffron. In one study, 15 milligrams of saffron was as effective as 20 milligrams of 
Prozac. Seriously, saffron appears to increase certain neurotransmitters, including glutamate and dopamine, both of which are involved in mood. But 15 milligrams of saffron is quite a bit, particularly considering that saffron is more expensive per gram than gold. But if you have access to saffron and if you're using it, I recommend incorporating it in your dishes. Another seasoning is curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric. Keep in mind that adding black pepper makes the active ingredient curcumin more bioavailable. So in order to to achieve the benefits of consuming turmeric, you need to be able to extract the curcumin and we can increase that bioavailability by adding black pepper to our turmeric. So if you're adding turmeric to your dishes, include also a pinch of black pepper. And then finally, oregano. Oregano has been shown to not only be neuroprotective, but also to function as a antidepressant. Those are the foods to incorporate. Now, the foods to avoid, again, just to recap, sugar, high glycemic index, carbohydrates, or quick carbs like bread, rice, pasta, potato, foods that are made from refined flour or are ultra processed. Also try and avoid artificial sweeteners in particularly aspartame. Fried foods should be limited and trans fat should really be eliminated. Foods that contain nitrates should be kept to a minimum like our processed meats. And then alcohol. We didn't talk about this much, but alcohol is a sedative. It is a depressant. It works by acting on the same GABAminergic receptors in the brain that are affected by our benzodiazepines. These are medications like Xanax and Ativan, for example. Alcohol depresses the central nervous system and can be a depressant. So I'm going to, like I said, talk about this in more detail at a subsequent podcast. And last but not least, just be intentional about feeding yourself. These lists are extensive. And honestly, I don't expect people to eliminate all the foods to avoid or consistently incorporate all the foods that I've asked you to incorporate but just be intentional about feeding yourself. Make time for yourself, cook for yourself, care for yourself. This act of self-care can be healing in it of itself. Well, that's all for this week. I wanna thank you for your time. Time is our most precious resource. And really, I appreciate you spending some of that preciousness with me. If you love this episode, please subscribe. And if you think this message will be of service to others, please share with your friends, your family, and people that you love. Last but not least, I'm going to ask you to head over to dradrianudim.com. My team has created a mood pack with our favorite mood-enhancing supplements, including omega-3 fatty acids, probiotics, and ashwagandha. When purchasing the mood pack together, I will throw in my 30-day journaling course as well. These are tools to enhance your mood, 
mind and body. What can be better than that? Here's to an excellent week. Have a great one. And I look forward to seeing you next week right here on Health Bite. Until then.